Welcome to the Cowboy Driller Podcast in Avon Park in Sebring, Florida. I'd like to welcome all you to our new podcast. Myself, uh, Cowboy, and my co-anchor, Driller, which is unable to be with us today, but we'll be on future shows. Uh, our, our podcast will be devoted to sports in the Tampa Bay, Florida area and our sports teams in the Tampa Bay, Florida area, along with sports that aren't here, uh, NASCAR and IMSA and other kind of race, auto racing. But we will especially uh, pay attention to our teams, uh, college and pro, which is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, NASCAR, IMSA, our college teams, USF Bulls, UCF Knights, Florida Gators, and Florida State Seminoles. And let's not leave out the Miami Dolphins or the Miami Hurricanes. We will be discussing uh, the teams in our Tampa Bay area, which is our home teams. Uh, and we'll start with uh, the Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers, which is uh, a team that's dear to both me and Drigger's heart. We've always been Tampa Bay Buccaneer fans from the inception of the team. And uh, I was honored enough to be present at the Philadelphia Eagle Tampa Bay Buccaneers first playoff home playoff game, first playoff game home or away by the Bucks. Uh, we won the game, by the way, back in the old sombrero with Doug Williams quarterback and uh, the offense, and Leroy Selman and Richard Batman Wood anchoring that defense back in the day of John McKay. I was happy to say we won that game and went on to the championship game, lost 9 to nothing to the Rams, and I was honored enough to be there. I thank an old friend of mine, Jackie Roberts, and Preston Roberts, and Cindy Hill and uh, Craig Landers and Joni Murray, for those who were all with us at the time that we attended those historic games back in the day. And now all these years later, I'm honored enough to be on a podcast and can recall those days. And recall the glory days of Tony Dungy and the glory days of Rich McKay and the glory days of all of us as Buccaneer fans as we actually uh, built a team uh, under the Dungy regime uh, that was carried uh, to the playoffs many years in a row. And Finally achieved in 2002 the ultimate victory in San Diego in Super Bowl, uh, beating uh, the Oakland Raiders, uh, which is a monumentous day in our history. Uh, and from that time on, of course, we've had a rough go of it. Uh, John Gruden was the head coach during the time we won the, the championship, as all y'all know. And then, of course, we went downhill from there. Raheem Morris had a 10-6 season, but after that, we've only won two, had two winning seasons in 11 years. <coughs> uh, Dirk Cutter put together a 9-7 season two years ago in his first year and then he went back to back 5-11 a little about the uh, Buccaneers are coming into a 2019 with a new head coach uh, coach Bruce Arians uh, head coach uh, for the Cardinals uh, interim coach for the Indianapolis Colts uh, and was an offensive coordinator many years under the glory days of the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's coached some great quarterbacks. He's going to get his chance this year to work with James Winston. Uh, he brings Byron Leftwich as his offensive coordinator and Todd Bowles as his defensive coordinator to the Bucks. Uh, we'll start James Winston under center. And we have a lot of expectations of a, a different type of a team this year. We hope to be a winner. We won't, we won't know until we get out on the field. But we'd like to welcome all you to our podcast and, and some of your questions uh, we have on the text line. Uh, today we are going to take some, 
some questions and I've got here one from Philip who lives in Wachula, uh, which is in Hardy County next door to our county of Highlands here. And it says, Cowboy, what do you think that the record will be of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 2019? Well, thank you, Philip, for your question, number one, and thank you for texting us because we need some texts and uh, keeps the show going. And uh, I think the Bucks have a good chance of winning eight games this year. I think they can maybe win eight or nine games. Uh, Bruce Arians has always had a uh, real good record. I think he uh, has a chance to beat the Giants, the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, we played them the first game. And Bruce Arians has had a good, real good record against the uh, NFC West. Of course, he was the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, I think Seattle Seahawks is beatable. Uh, they're, they're not as, I, th I think, in the, what I've read, their team is not what they used to be. And I think we can beat the Arizona Cardinals. So by beating the 49ers and beating the Giants, beat the Cardinals, you beat the uh, Seattle Seahawks, and you beat the uh, San Francisco 49ers. You got five games right there. I think you conceivably can beat the Detroit Lions, which makes six. I think you have a good chance against Tennessee, which is seven, and Houston, which is eight. Now you play six uh, division teams, uh, which is a two against the Panthers of Carolina, two against the Saints of New Orleans, and two against the Falcons of Atlanta. I think you can take one or two of those six. And now you've got a nine-game winning season. So I think, you know, eight and eight, nine and seven is not un unrealistic. You're going to run the ball a lot more this year. You're going to have a better running team than you did last year. You're going to have a north and south offense, the ball going down the field uh, out of James Winston's hands. But the main thing that makes James Winston better is you're not going to let him do a lot of thinking, and you're not going to make him have to improvise a play. He's just going to hand the ball off to a running back. He's going to throw the ball down the field. And uh, – I think our defense with the 3-4 will allow us more people to rush the ball, and we'll try to get to the quarterback more and put him on the ground. And that's the only thing you can do really in the NFL today. Defensive backs, as we all know, can't manhandle an offensive receiver in any way, shape, or form anymore. So you're either going to be able to get to the quarterback or they're going to be able to move on you and score. So I think we have a pretty good chance. Of course, we're early in the year, and we won't know until uh, September and October when they really start playing the games that they count. Uh, how we'll do, but Philip, it answered your question. I think seven and nine uh, is a low, uh, nine and seven is a high. As you know, in Westgate, Vegas, who set the odds, it's over and under six and a half. So you either bet under six and a half games, which there is no such thing as a half game, or over six and a half. So let's just say I'd bet over. I'd bet over. I'd bet over. I think that's going to happen this year. So thank you for your question. And it was the first question, by the way, Philip, from Wachula, uh, from the podcast uh, for Driller and Cowboy. And I appreciate you giving it to us. And, and I thank you very much. So the next question we have here is from Beverly in Riverdale, Florida. Uh, excuse me, Riverview, Florida, which is over in Hillsborough County. What about the Tampa Bay Lightning after their loss to the Columbus Blue Jackets in the first round? Uh, well, as you, we all know as a Tampa Bay Lightning fan, the Tampa Bay Lightning had a, a great season, the greatest season, uh, one of the greatest in NF, NHL history in wins, but they were eliminated four straight games the first round of the playoffs last year by the Columbus Blue Jackets. I, I certainly know that it won't be, uh, you know, they're psychologically they must feel the 
angst of being ranked the best team in hockey all last year, leaving with the most wins in regular season last year in hockey, and then getting into the first round against the lowest seed uh, in the playoffs and getting beat four straight. But it happens, and they're just going to have to realize that there's two seasons. There's the regular season and the postseason, and the postseason is the one that really counts because you don't move on to get Lord Stanley's Cup unless you win those series, and they just weren't ready to play. I do believe, though, that by watching hockey, and I'm a novice living in Florida all my life, uh, what I have learned from the game is during regular season, the the, the referees, uh, umpires and referees of the uh, hockey seem to call more penalties, the physical penny, penalties, hooking, uh, other cop penalties than they do in the postseason. So in the postseason, they actually let them be a little bit more physical. They let them be a little bit more uh, physical with each other and physical in their play. And I believe that the Lightning counted on that speed, and they had it, but they didn't have the size or the ferocity to go physically. And when they went up against a team with a little bit more physicality, that turned the tide on them. Uh, I think that's kind of, if you watch it, and as a novice of watching hockey, that's what I have picked up. That in the postseason, uh, they allow them to get a little bit more physical, and uh, they don't play that kind of physical game generally in the regular season. There's a lot more penalties called, thus there's penalties where players are in the box, plus you get more power plays, i.e. you get better shots at goal. When you got a good shooting team like the Lightning, fast team like the Lightning, that adds up to points, which adds up to wins. And then in the in postseason, it's just the opposite. You don't get those uh, on-the-fence calls. There's a lot more hooking, a lot more grabbing, a lot more pushing, a lot more physicality without no calls. And since that is, the Lightning's plus becomes, I guess, the minus. So that's something they'll have to work on next year. And we're going to take one more question. And this question is from Donald down in Sebring. Uh, and Donald uh, asks, what about the Tampa Bay Rays move to Montreal? Uh, I believe the Rays will possibly move to another team, another town, uh, and move their team somewhere else. I don't know when. I think probably 2023. I think they're trying their best to get out of their contract with the St. Petersburg, the city of St. Petersburg, uh, as we speak, because of uh, low attendance and the non-availability of a new stadium. I don't believe Sue Sandberg is really interested in keeping the team here in the long term unless somebody walks up and hands him the keys to a new stadium and says, here it is, you can have it for free, which I don't suspect is going to happen anytime soon. And so I, I believe that he does have an intent to move the team. I think that's why he came out with the idea through baseball to ask if they could explore the possibilities of playing half a, half a season in Tampa and half a season in Montreal, as we know, that has never, ever been done, ever, and probably never will be. Just an out for, the, for him to be able to ask Major League Baseball to do that and then publicly say it to the people of the Tampa Bay area, which then will ignite them to want to get rid of him because either one way or the other they're going to build him a stadium or they're going to get rid of him. So I think that's what he was planning to do. All along, uh, I don't think he wants to be in this area. Uh, you know, Tampa, the city of Tampa, spent a long time and, and actually had a 14-acre site down in Channel Side in Ybor City uh, designated for a new ballpark. And uh, through the end of the negotiations, they couldn't come up with the funding. Stu Stenberg didn't have the $200 million of the 
of the 400 that he was supposed to come up with and the, and the city of Tampa had not yet secured their $400 million for their half. So it was a lot of work for, you know, nothing in return. There was a deadline on how long it would take them to get all this, these things in place, but it didn't work out. They had three years to do it. The last six or nine months, they were really, really seriously heavily at it, but it didn't work out at the end. At the end, uh, you know, it didn't work out. But Tampa had uh, been given permission by St. Petersburg to allow that negotiation to take place. And give St. Petersburg their credit, they allowed Tampa to do that, though it didn't work out for them in the end. So I think he went back to baseball and said, look, I tried it. I went to the bigger market in Tampa. Uh, we had 14 acres donated. You know what the situation was. I kept you abreast at it. Sure, I didn't come up with completely all the money they had asked me to come up with, but in reality, they didn't even come up with their half either. Though they gave me a valuable piece of land, 14 acres, that I could use for the ballpark downtown. So that was a way he could tell baseball, hey, I tried. I tried to keep the team in the area. It didn't work out. St. Petersburg doesn't seem to be in real, any real hurry, even though they had me under contract and my team under contract to 2027. Uh, you know, I wanted to initiate something where my team could start having an idea where they were going to play. So I just announced the, uh, the, uh, my intention of trying to get Montreal to play uh, home games there half of the year, beginning in 2023. Tomorrow there'll be a press conference on that, Donald, and we'll have a lot more information on what exactly transpired uh, with, the, with the Rays. There's going to be a lot of things that happen with the Rays over the next few months. It's hard to watch a team that you don't know will be here or not. Uh, I, I just want to say that the Rays have the low payroll, and they play pretty good with the amount of low payroll that they actually have to work with. And they do a pretty good job of winning games and losing games with such a low payroll. On the other side of that coin, it's hard as a, as a Ray fan to go get a jersey with a, a player you like on the back of it and he'd be traded the next year. And that seems to be the situation over there too. What you're doing is you're bringing a bunch of minor leaguers up probably before some of them should be brought up and letting them play in Major League Ball. And, they, and they're winning a lot of games. So I give them their due on that too. Again, I'd like to thank everybody for listening to the Cowboy Driller podcast, the first Cowboy Driller podcast uh, ever broadcasted and I'd like to uh, thank all y'all for listening I'd like to thank all the three uh, people that actually sent their texts uh, to us today uh, we actually had seven texts so I got to answer three questions so God bless y'all all for that we appreciate it we want to keep you posted we want you to send texts and questions to us we'll be glad to answer them uh, you know again uh, I'm thankful that we've been given the opportunity to have this podcast and to allow the viewing public to help us enjoy the teams that we enjoy in the greatest state, in the greatest country in the world, in the state of Florida, in the great United States of America. And God bless you all for listening.